Perhaps you heard the story about, it's an old story, it's about this eccentric billionaire. He was having this birthday celebration on his massive ranch. So he invited all of his friends and family from really all over the world to fly in for this big event. And when he had everybody gathered there, he walked them out to his massive, triple-size, saltwater Olympic swimming pool. He took a microphone that worked, and, and he said, all right, I'm gonna make a challenge to all the young men here. If you can jump in this pool, the saltwater pool, and swim and make it to the other side, I will give you one of three things. He said, however, let me add this little caveat. I have filled my pool with great white sharks, crocodiles, and piranhas. But if you can swim from one side to the other, then I will give you one of three things. Either one, I will give you $250 million cash. Or two, I'll give you one of my companies. You can have it. I'll sign it over to you. Or three, you can have my daughter's hand in marriage. When he said that, smack, young guy just jumps in the water. I mean, he is struggling. He's swimming. The sharks are kind of right behind him. He goes under a crocodile, tries to take him out. He's going crazy. The piranhas are kind of biting at his toes. And he's just struggling. We don't know if he's going to make it or not until finally he gets to the edge of the pool, climbs out, gets out. His, coal, his clothes are ripped up. He's bleeding. And the billionaire comes up beside him. He said, young man, that is the bravest thing I've ever seen. What do you want? Do you, do you want $250 million cash? And the man says, no. He goes, what do you want? Do you want one of my companies? I'll sign it over you. And the young man says, no. Ha. He said, not only are you brave, you're also wise and smart. You want my daughter's hand in marriage, so once I'm gone, you can have it all, right? He said, no. The billionaire looked at him. He said, young man, what is it that you want? And he said, all I want is the name of the person that pushed me in the pool. That's it. That's it. So, the moral of the story is this. We all have pool problems, don't we? We have pool problems. And somewhere in life, we get pushed into a pool and we find ourselves surrounded by sharks and attacked by crocodiles and little piranhas that kind of nip at us and just take the life out of us, right? And many times when we find ourselves in such a quandary, such a dilemma, such a quagmire, such a threatening situation, really, it fills our heart and it fills our mind with a real sense of fear. Fear. The threats are external to us. They're very real in our life. Whether you're talking about threats in our job or threats at school or threats in the family, they're very real, but they're also internal because it creates that sense of ongoing fear and anxiety in our life. 
and we're simply trying to make it to the other side of the pool. How do we get there? There are three keys. If I could be so bold that we're gonna talk about today that will help you and help me make it to the other side. These are three keys that we see used by men and women women in the scripture time and time again. We see this throughout church history and we see this in our world today. There are three keys that can help you make it through and navigate your own pool problems. If you have a Bible, you know where to open them with me to the book of Acts. Thought I was gonna say Psalms, didn't you? The first key is in the book of Acts, but it's dealing with our guy, David. David was dealing with rebellion. He had rebellion in his own family. This family rebellion led to a rebellion at his work and at his job. David, a guy who killed Goliath, David who killed lions and tigers and bears, oh my, when he was a kid, was in such a difficult pool problem situation that he had to flee the city. But David kept swimming. David kept fighting. And let's look at this first key we see about how to deal with real pool problems and the fear it can instill in you and me. Look at Acts chapter 13, verse 36. It says, now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep, he died. He was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. I like that verse. I've always liked that verse. You say, well, that's kind of strange. I don't see much there. No, I think there's a lot there. David, in spite of his failings and in in spite of his mistakes, was a man after God's own heart. And David fulfilled God's purpose for his life in the time period that he lived, and then he passed away. I like that. So the first key that you have to have, that I have to have, if we're gonna make it through the shark infested waters of our own life, we must have a purpose. You must have a purpose in your life, an overarching purpose, a transcendent purpose. Peter Dostoevsky, Put it this way, he said, the mystery of human existence lies not in just staying alive, but in finding something to live for. God made you and made me to have a sense of meaning and purpose in our life. And when you're doing battle at work, when you're doing battle in your family or in relationships or wherever you find yourself, when you find yourself in the deep end of that pool, you need to have an ongoing sense of purpose to help propel you forward through that turbulent and dangerous water. Romans 8, 28. God causes all things ultimately to work out for good for those who love him and are called according to his, say it, purpose. Or another version of that would be Nietzsche's quote, that which doesn't kill you outright only makes you stronger. The purpose 
is the why behind the what. If I have a strong purpose, if I know that God is still with me, if I know that God is providentially working in these circumstances, in these shark and piranha infested waters, I can make it through. So what's our purpose? What's our purpose? Our purpose basically would be what? Would be to keep God at the very center of our life. And all that we do, it's our, our desire, our purpose as human beings to keep God at the center. Or as Christ said, to seek his kingdom first. Or another way to frame it, to love God with everything that I have, my heart, mind, body, soul, and strength, and to love my neighbor as myself. That's my purpose. That's our purpose. And we can live that out in many ways. Sometimes your purpose in life is determined by your particular station in life. If you're a student, you have a certain purpose as a student to be the best student you can be. If you are a spouse, a husband or a wife, you have to be the best spouse and learn to love your spouse the best that you can do that. If you're a parent, you have to parent well. If you work in the business world, you've gotta be the best business person you can possibly be because your ultimate boss is not the shareholders, but it's God himself. So we've gotta have this sense of purpose in life. And it's easy to get off purpose. It's easy to put other things or other people at the center of our life instead of God himself. And that will not help us make it to the other side of this massive pool we're trying to navigate. So the first key is that you must have a purpose. The second key is found in the book of Psalms. So open to the middle of the Bible to Psalm chapter number nine, and we'll find the second key. Psalm nine, verses one through two, David writes, check this out. I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing the praises of your name, O most high. First key to make it through is you have to have a purpose. The second key, as we can see in this passage here in these two verses, is you have to have a plan. You have to have a plan. It's not enough to have a vision. It's not enough to have a purpose, though that's powerful. You have to have a plan at how this plays out in your life. How are you going to keep God at the center in the midst of your busy days and your busy weeks that we all have on our schedule? How are you gonna do that? You have to have a plan. I like uh, the emphasis on the will here, where, where David says, I will, I will. I will. God's given you a will. God's given me a will. Our will is the ability to say yes and the ability to say no. It's having a sense of agency. And God's given us that ability. We have the ability to make decisions and to make choices. What are some of the choices that David is making? Now, you've got to remember the context always. David is not on some spiritual retreat He's not in La La Land. He's not singing Kumbaya. He's not in church every single day singing song. No, no, no. He's not doing that. David is overseeing a massive, massive empire. 
He's a CEO of CEOs, if you would. And at this point, he's being pursued massively. But in the middle of that, he said, I'm gonna do this on a daily in, uh, basis. Here's my plan. First of all, he says what? I am going to thank my way through it. That's what he says. I'm gonna thank my way through it. Life is a gratitude test. In the midst of the mountaintop experiences, which is pretty easy, but in the valleys and when you're swimming and surrounded by pool problems and fears, can you stay, can I stay in a place of gratitude and not fall prey to blaming other people, not fall prey to being a victim, not fall prey to being angry and resentful, but to thank our way through it. Sometimes when I'm trying to get to the other side of the pool, before I get out of bed, I will start thanking God. I just start thanking him, thanking him, thanking him, thanking him. You say, what are you thanking for? Thank him for the pillow. Thank him for the bed. Thank him from the roof over my head. Thank him for Dr. Seuss that I can rhyme every time. No, I just thank him, thank him, thank him, right? I thank him. I start thanking him for, you know, hey, there are people working on the road. Thank you, they're working on the road. Thank you for the policemen. Thank you for the firemen. Thank you for the teachers out there. Thank you for the people that are getting things done today. Thank you for the friends I have in my life. Thank you for the family members I have in my life. I just keep thanking God, thanking God, thanking God, thanking God, until my thanker has basically given out, okay? Then I get up and get some coffee. So, and then at the end of the day, before I'm going to bed, I start thanking God again, thanking God again, thanking God again. And again, I'm thanking God, not in the midst of, wow, you know, I just got this great dividend and a lot of money flowing away. No, I'm thanking God in the valley. I'm thanking God when things are looking dark and bleak. I'm thanking God when those crocodiles are taking me under. That's when you have to learn to thank God. So if God's purpose for you is for you to keep him at the center, we keep him at the center when we're going through these tough times, when we thank our way through it. The second thing we can see David did, he says, I, not only will I thank my way through it, I will tell my way through it. In other words, I'm gonna tell of God's deeds in my life, what God's done in the past and what God is doing in my life right now as I see it. Now, here's second, one of the reasons we have Bible study classes uh, that meet before the 1111 service. And many of you are part of Bible study class. If you're part of Bible study class, just cheer right now. Wow, more than I thought. So our Bible study classes doesn't mean, you know, we go in there and just, you know, we just have our nose in the Bible. Everybody in the class knows the Bible. No, it's really not that. It's kind of a misnomer, really. It's a way that we do teach God's word, but it's a way we also build community. We build community, we build relationships. And in that context, we talk to each other. Hey, here's what God's doing in my life. Here are the struggles I'm having. Here are the challenges I'm having. Here, here's what's in my pool of problems. Here are the things I'm rejoicing about. And we build community. Going out of that, we have small groups, right? There's power in small groups. We, we, right now, we're going through master life. In master life, we're learning to do the Christian disciplines. And we're talking about our life. We're telling others about what God's doing in our life and what we want God to do in our life. That's one of the great powers of the 12-step movement is the sense of community, the sense of storytelling, of encouraging people with your stories about what God is doing in your life. 
So you have to have a plan. David's plan was to thank his way through it, to make it to the other side, and to tell of God's wonders as he goes through it. And the third thing we see of his plan is, he said, I will praise my way through it. I will praise my way through it. Now, I grew up in a, you know, going to church, pretty traditional church back in the day, okay? And I, you know, I didn't realize that when I was seated out there in a church service, we had pews back then, I was in the pew, there was my responsibility to actually engage in praise and engage in the service, to engage in the prayers, to engage in singing unto God. And that was a really, I would say, watershed moment in my life, my relationship with God, when I realized that when I came into a worship center, it was my responsibility as a worshiper to worship, to praise. And then that can flow out in my life during different times of the day. Sometimes, I know this is crazy, right? But sometimes I get stuck in traffic here. We have some traffic in Houston, if you haven't noticed. So I use that time when I'm not, you know, telling other you know, people in traffic what I think about them. I can, I can, by the way, that's why I don't have a fish on the back of my car. That's a goal before I die is to be Christian enough that I can have a Christian car and drive like a Christian. But when I'm dialed in, right, when I'm dialed in, the best version of me, I am using that time in the car sometimes to listen to some music, to listen to some music that lifts me up, that praises, you know. I'll take a break from 70s classic rock, and then I'll just listen to some good gospel music. And I can turn my car into a little, little praise machine right there as I go down the road. And it helps me in many ways. So anyway, we've got to learn how to praise our way through it. To praise our way through it. I mean, sometimes when we're going through, we have pool problems and fear is surrounding us. Sometimes we're like, wow, I don't want to go to church. That's the last place I want to go to church. As if church is for people who have it all together. It's not. No one has it perfectly all together. No one does. No one. We're all in process. Give yourselves a hand for being imperfect. So that's where you need to be. And I know it's tough. I know it's tough when you're going through it to show up on Sunday, but show up. You need it. I need it. We need it. And we learn to praise our way through it. So, we're thrown in the pool. We're swimming madly not to drown. We're being chased by all these things. Fear is very real. But when that fear is real, I gotta think, okay, as tough as things are, as hard as things are, God is still God. God's using all things, all things in my life, all these things that are make me stronger as I continue to trust him. He has a plan for my life. And I want to execute a plan. I want to thank my way through it. I want to tell my way through it. And I want to praise my way through it. And the third thing, the third thing, the third key, if you would, of dealing with pool problems is you must have a power. A power. Okay. The Bible talks a lot about power. What is the source of our power? David in that Psalm in Psalm nine says, I'm praising my Lord, O most high. I'm, 
praising God. I'm praising the mighty one, the magnificent one. He is the source of my power. So from a Christian perspective, I guess uh, theologically and practically, our power is both external and internal. It's outside of you and inside of you. The power I gain from looking outside of me is by looking at the God who made this incredible world and this universe and realizing that this God knows and loves me. How do I know this God knows me and loves me? Well, I can see what he's done in history. I can see what God has done in Christ. Christ lived a perfect life, died in my place, rose again. So I, I receive power by looking outside of me. God's grace is first outside of me. So I, I receive power there because I'm in flux all the time. I'm changing, okay? I'm changing, I'm growing. I have good days, bad days, but God's love and God's gift to me in Christ never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So his power is outside of me, but his power is also inside of me. A few verses, is, a few verses. Greater is he that's within me than he that's in the world. It's no longer I who live, Galatians 2.20, but Christ who lives in me. The spirit who raised Christ from the dead, this is Romans 8, lives inside of me. So I'm not swimming across this crazy pool. I'm not dealing with the pool problems in my life. I'm not dealing with the fear in my own life by myself. God has given me his power. It's not my power, it's his power that he gives to me in Christ, both outside of me and inside of me by his spirit. And God's power is greater than any power than we can imagine. God's strength is stronger than any strength that we can imagine or conjure up in our minds. And God can give us the power to sustain us and to help us make our way through. One of the, one of the interesting books in the Bible was a book called 2 Corinthians. Not 1 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. And 2 Corinthians really did not need to be written. You know, if I could talk to Paul, if he could get some advice from me, which I'm sure he would love, it would be, you didn't have to write it, Paul. You did not have to write 2 Corinthians. Why? Because he's writing it to a bunch of haters, to a bunch of doubters who didn't like him, who were making fun of him and had made all this stuff. And the whole thing is Paul Defending himself, defending himself, defending himself, okay? That's why in a fight, you wanna strike first and strike hard. Otherwise, you're always on the defensive. Hold on the message. So let me say this before you throw me out after church, okay? I love 2 Corinthians. I'm an idiot. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible because in 2 Corinthians, Paul talks in detail in his defense of who he is, about all of the pool problems he's faced in his life. And they are tremendous. 
shipwreck, beatings, whippings, stonings, imprisonments, just all kind of crazy stuff, snake bites, everything that's happened to Paul in his life. It's crazy the amount of suffering and pain and pull problems that Paul really faced in his life. And finally, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he's kind of tired of it. After year of year of dealing with these pool problems, he prays, God, move, remove the sharks and the crocodiles. This is the message translation. Bear with me. Remove them. God says no. He prays a second time. Remove the piranhas. God says no. Third time, God, remove all of these fears and these threats in my life. God, remove them. And God says with a smile, no. Wow. And that's why Paul was not a televangelist. So God said, no, 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 no. But then what did he say? He said, Paul, I'm not going to take these things away. I'm not going to abracadabra presto and all your pool problems are gone. But I will give you the grace to make it through because my power is perfected in your weakness. Yes. One of my best friends is a clinical psychologist in, in another city. You say, obviously, you need that. Okay, I know, I do. But he said this to me years ago. I'll never forget it. He goes, you know, sometimes life is a setup. Life is a setup. God allows certain things to enter your life and enter my life to see if we will trust in him to see if we will lean not in our own power and our own strength, but allow our weaknesses to drive us to the power of Christ himself. And when we do that, we have that purpose, we have that plan, and we're leaning on his power. God will be with us as we fight and as we battle our own pool problems.